This is Come and See from St. Andrew's Anglican Church for June 15, 2014. The Gospel is taken from the book of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. The message is by Father Ron Baird. Well, today is Trinity Sunday. It's going to be the last festival that we have for a while. Seems like we've had lots of them between um, Lent and you know, Holy Week and then all the Easter and Ascension, Pentecost, and now Trinity Sunday comes again. Next week, the uh, altar hangings will be changed to green, and we go into what is called common time. Um, that means that it's not a particular season at all. It's just, matter of fact, we even number it as how, how many Sundays it is after Pentecost, because it's just common time that goes on. And it'll be that way until All Saints Sunday, which is the first Sunday in November. Um, so it goes on for quite a while. So hopefully you like green, because you'll see a lot of it between now and then. The doctrine of the Trinity is a difficult doctrine for most Christians, even though we profess it in the Nicene Creed all the time. You know, we say we believe it, but oftentimes we don't really understand it. I've even heard uh, priests give sermons about it, saying the doctrine of the Trinity is a mystery that is beyond comprehension. And I've always thought, well, that was sort of useless. <laughs> if it's beyond comprehension, why do we have it at all? And, it, and it, it, there's some truth in it in that to really understand the depths of God for a human being would be impossible. I mean, God is so vast and so um, omniscient and omnipotent that how would you ever understand everything about him? But it certainly is not something, the, the basic doctrine of how he is three persons in one being is not incomprehensible to us. But people have been trying for a long time to help people understand it. St. Patrick used a clover leaf. Remember the three-leaf clover? He would say, you know, it's all it got three distinct leaves, but it's all one plant. Um, that was one way that he said it. In more modern times, people have said that water is um, like that, because you have two molecules of hydrogen and one of oxygen. Now, that always falls apart, because two of them are the same thing, so I always thought that was a little weird. But, but Somehow those never really seem to satisfy very well because, for one thing, they're not, um, they're not personal at all. I mean, they're just things. So how do you get very excited about that? And, and yet there is another description about the doctrine of the Trinity which actually helps immensely, and, it, and it had, you have to turn to a place that most people won't look to find it, and that's in the Bible, um, which is always amazing to me. In the Bible, in the, Gospel of John, or the Epistle of John, the first Epistle of John, um, he says that God is love. Remember that? It's used in a lot of weddings. God is love, and where true love is, God himself is there. Um, God is love. That tells us something about the very nature of God, because it doesn't say that, that God uh, loves everybody, although he does. It doesn't say that God loves his creation, although he does. And, and in fact, you know, the, they could say that in Judaism, you could say it in Islam, you could say it in Buddhism, I mean, all those things that, that you know, God loves, but, but it says God is love. It's his very nature. That's what he is. And that tells us a lot about who God is and why the Trinity can make so much sense. I wish I could claim credit for this, but I didn't come up with it. G.K. Chesterton, who's a Roman Catholic layperson, um, theologian, much like C.S. Lewis, um, came up with this analogy I think is marvelous. If God is love, then there's certain requirements that go with that. One is it tells us that God is relational because you can't really 
love just yourself, that'd be kind of weird, wouldn't it? It'd be narcissistic. So what you have is you have the lover, who is God the Father, the one who does love, and then you have the beloved, and that's Jesus. Remember, he even talks about my beloved um, in the Gospel of John. So you have the lover and the beloved, but even that isn't enough because you can have a beloved and a lover without them ever making a connection. Somehow or other, that love has to be communicated from the lover to the beloved and has to go across, and that's the Holy Spirit. You see, that's why John A.T. Robinson, an Anglican bishop um, in, in the 1960s, described the Holy Spirit as the go-between God. He is the one who carries the love of the lover to the beloved. And it tells us a lot about who God is in his very being, you know, that, that he is relational in, in his very um, outset from who he is. I mean, just that's like him being omniscient or omnipotent, um, you know, all-seeing, all-powerful, all-knowing. He, he's also all-loving. And so to, in the passage that we talked about from the first John where it says God is love and where true love is, God himself is there, it also becomes true for us that we need those same things. Because we were created how? What were we created in? In his image, yeah. So we're made in the image of God. God is love. His very nature is to be in relationships and to be loving. And God loves. And so we too are like that. And we too, as lovers, need an object for our affection. Now since the fall, sometimes that object isn't necessarily good. Um, We pick the wrong things to, to fall in love with. Um, or the wrong people, but, but that has to do with that connectedness, that communication of the loving. Because unless it's the Holy Spirit connecting the lover to the beloved, then it's not true love. It might be desire, it might be envy or things, but it, but it won't be true love. True love always reflects that image of God that's given with the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why it's vital in our relationships that the Holy Spirit be a part of that because we're made in his image. So the very nature of God is that he is love. Now, one thing about love is that love isn't stagnant. You know, if it, love was stagnant, it would mean, okay, there's only so much love and that's all he's got. And he's never going to have any more. So you have to parcel it out. But love doesn't work that way, does it? Love is such that, that it grows, it multiplies. Um, and, and otherwise, people wouldn't be able to have friends that they love, wouldn't be able to have parents that they love, siblings they love, children they love, you know, cousins they love, you know, spouses they, they wouldn't be able to do any of that. It would be like, well, I love my parents when I'm little, that's all you got. I mean, there aren't any, I can't, that's all the love I got, I gave it all to them, I'm out of it. What do I do? But it's not like that. It's not a, a stagnant amount. As a matter of fact, it feeds on the love of